This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. It's Mother's Day. Our selection today comes from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7. through 7. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And good morning, and welcome to worship with West Concord. And it is Mother's Day. So let me be the first to wish all of our moms watching and listening out there this morning a very happy Mother's Day. I hope it's a blessed day for you. And because it's Mother's Day, we're going to take some time away from the book of Philippians this morning, and we're going to talk about a a message that not only is going to be pertinent to mothers and about mothers, but I believe the meat in this message is for everyone listening. Something can be applicable to all who are looking at this. And we're going to call this this morning, The Treasures of Home. Now, I realize that sounds like a Hallmark title for a Hallmark movie. I understand that. But we're going to go deeper and we're going to show how, in fact, there are treasures in our homes, treasures in our lives that God is waiting to get a hold of and use for our blessing and benefit as well as his blessing and benefit. And so this Mother's Day message, yeah, it's about a mom and it's for moms, but it's for everyone who is dealing with the issues of life. And so we're going to talk about mothers, of course, but we're going to talk about the ingenuity of mothers. You know, mothers can make all kinds of things happen. It seems like moms can do just about anything. You know, if you invite a friend over, mom can pour a little water in the stew and stretch it to feed more people. Or if you skin your knee, it seems like mom knows exactly what to do to make it feel better. Mothers have always had that that ingenuity that when something needs to work, somehow they'll make it work. I love this illustration from this little boy at school when he was asked about a math problem. And it says, a teacher asked a boy this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. What part of the pie would you get? Very simple question about fractions. And the boy said, a sixth. He said a sixth of the pie, replied the boy. She said, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions, said the teacher. Remember, there are seven of you. Yes, teacher, said the boy, but you don't know my mother. Mother would say she didn't want any pie. You know, mothers are not only ingenious and they can take things and make them work and fix them, but mothers, good mothers are also very sacrificial. You know, that's something about a a woman, about a mom that God has given them that character of sacrifice which is why mothers make better mothers than fathers do. And so we celebrate mothers today. And the fact of the matter is, again, good mothers are by nature ingenious and sacrificial. They know how to fix things. They know how to deal with things. And they'll do without whatever they can in order to provide for their children. And these are qualities of a good mother, but there are qualities that all of us would do well to emulate, that all of us would do well to seek out, to look at the things that God has given to us, simple things, things that we overlook, and and we can take them and not only make them work, but through sacrifice and, and selflessness, allow God to change our lives and provide for the better. So as we get ready to dive into scripture, let's bow together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this beautiful day. Father, we're all still stuck at home. Father, we're all still quarantined to some extent. We can't gather together. But Lord, we thank you for the technologies that allow us to be together now. 
And Father, while many of us can't go and physically hug our mothers and see them, Lord, it's difficult because of that. Some have lost their mothers. And Father, uh, some uh, are just struggling with this whole thing. But Father, we thank you that we can celebrate motherhood, that we can celebrate womanhood, and we can celebrate you in the midst of all of that. Even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of a quarantine, we can celebrate those qualities of ingenuity and sacrifice, which makes mothers rise above those in our society. And Father, may we learn from these qualities, even if we're fathers, even if we're children, men and women, we learn qualities of ingenuity and sacrifice so that we can allow you to work in our lives. Bless us now, Lord, as we open your word and may you teach us all in Jesus name. Amen. Sacrifice and ingenuity. We're going to look this morning in the Old Testament. We're going to go all the way back to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, 1 and 2 Chronicles, 1 and 2 Kings, these God-inspired books were written to chronicle the history of the kingdoms of, uh, of Israel and Judah under the various kings. Many of these kings were evil. Some of them were good. But basically what God is using these books for is to teach us lessons as these kings and as these kingdoms are compared and standardized by his law. And so we see so many wonderful spiritual things, so many wonderful adventures in these books that demonstrate the grace, the power, the majesty of God. It also demonstrates the faithfulness of men and women, leaders and servants alike. And as we get into 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to zero in on the ministry of Elisha the prophet. Elisha was actually the assistant and eventual successor of Elijah the prophet. Elisha was granted the mantle of prophecy by Elijah that he would one day take his place. And in so granting his mantle, God promised that Elisha would have a double honor and do double uh, miraculous things than Elijah ever did. And we see that as you read through these chapters in second Kings, you see Elisha really the man of God, just functioning as God's servant. Not only did he do miraculous works to, 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 to get people's attention, but he also did miraculous things and God worked through him to do miracles to provide the needs for people who are having Difficulty, And we come into this chapter, chapter 4, 2 Kings, and we see an urgent problem. We see an urgent problem. We see here a widow, and uh, as we pick up the passage in verse 1, it says this, And a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. Who are the sons of the prophets? Well, Elijah and Elijah, Elisha rather, had set up prophet schools or schools of prophets throughout the Holy Land in order to train up these men so that they might go out and put forth the Word of God, to proclaim the Word of God. They were like small seminaries or small Bible colleges, if you will. And they were training men to rise up and to go out and preach the Word of God and take the message of the Word of God to the people in the land as the land was struggling under some of these very difficult and evil kings. And evidently this woman, her husband, was one of the students, one of the participants in this school of the prophets. And it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. 
and the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. And so we see this urgent problem as the prophet Elisha comes upon this dear lady and her two sons, and he finds out she goes to him. She's struggling. And there are three things that are going on in her life. As a matter of fact, these three things are the major things that people fear and more often than not struggle with at the same time. And, the, and these three things are, first of all, death. This woman experienced the death or loss of her husband. He was a man of God. He was going for the ministry. He was going to go into the prophetic ministry. But for some reason, he died. We don't know how. We don't know why. But he left her. And she was a widow and she is struggling and death came to this home. And it's so difficult when we see death come to a home. And so one of the great urgent problems that was going on here was the loss of this provider, the loss of this protector, the loss of this husband. And because of that, she says that now we are in debt. You know, not only do we fear death, but we fear to be indebted to the point that we cannot pay back that were in debt. And she was in debt because again, he was her provider. And uh, because of his death and he is not able to provide, there is tremendous debt. And out of that debt comes the anxiety and fear. What's going to happen? What am I going to do? And because of that death, there came debt. And because of the debt, now there was danger because the debt collector wanted to get his satisfaction. He wanted to collect what was owed to him. And if he couldn't get it in money or material possessions, he was going to take her sons and sell them into slavery. So there was a danger to her family. Her family was getting ready to get even further fragmented. So now not only did she lose her husband and she lost her comfort level of economic ease, now she's getting ready to lose the rest of her family, and she is desperate. This is an urgent problem. What, what in the world would you do? What did this dear mother, this widow, but this mother, what did she do? Well, of course, she went to the man of God. You see, we see the ingenuity of this dear lady when at first, even though she could have stood there and blamed God, she could have stood there and whined to God, but instead she went to God through the man of God to seek the help of God. You know, more often than not, we turn to creditors, we turn to friends, we all, we turn to all sorts of things outside of our world to try to get help, to try to get relief. And more often than not, God sometimes is the last person we turn to. You know, as I worked on this sermon, one of the sweetest things I came across were various prayers of mothers that prayed for their sons, prayed for their daughters throughout their lives, that they would come to know Christ and as believers that they would live for Him and serve Him. You know, I've known mothers in this church who have prayed for sons and daughters, and I've had the privilege of watching these prayers come to fruition in this church. I've seen mothers over the last 30 years praying for their children, and I've been able to see some of those children respond to God in answer of those prayers. There's something about a mother's prayer. There's something about a mother's prayer and intervention for her children. And this is the right thing that this dear widow did. Instead of chasing after some self-help thing, instead of going after friends and begging, instead of going to whatever avenue she could have found, the first thing she did was went to God through the man of God to seek the help of God. And so that displays right there her ingenuity, her wisdom in this. 
And yes, she was faced with an urgent problem. What urgent problem are you going through? I remember my mother as I was growing up. My father, uh, when I was a little boy, he was in Vietnam for two years. And my mother had the task of keeping us together. She worked every day. She took care of the house. Often when somebody something rather broke, she had to fix it. She was the sole parent at the time. My father was thousands of miles away in Vietnam serving his country. And then just a few years after he got back, he had to leave again and go to the Philippines. And yet again, my mother had to take charge. Now, my mother was a strong woman, still is. She turns 90, Lord willing, in September. We're looking forward to celebrating that with her. But my mother grew up during the Depression where she helped raise her younger siblings while her mother had to work. Her father died when they were young. He was a minor and he got black lung and, and he died for that. Not only that, but she grew up during the Depression, the difficulties of World War II, the fear of World War II. Uh, you know, they call that the greatest generation. And I'll tell you, one of the things that made it a great generation while the men were off fighting, the women were taking care of the home front. And those strong women, those strong mothers, and we praise the Lord for them. And I praise the Lord that I have a mother who went through that. And that enabled her that she was able to take care of the family when my dad wasn't able to be there. And so I honor my mother today and, and appreciate her. And she was a wise woman. She was, a, she was ingenious. She made things work. She took care of it. She managed the home, managed the situations, and we did fine. And I praise the Lord for in, her ingenuity. And we weren't a wealthy family. Uh, we didn't have a lot, but we had enough. And my mother made what we had work. And see, that's the whole concept I want you to see in this passage. Even in the midst of urgent problems, even when death knocks on our door, debt is chasing us and danger is around the corner. Even in the COVID virus we're facing, we feel those things. We sense those things. God has created our homes, no matter what shape or function they take, but there are things in our homes that the ingenuity of God's people, God's mothers, God's fathers can take and make work. But the first thing she did, the wisest thing she did in her ingenuity was seek out the man of God to get the help of God. And she did that. And so she did. She sought out Elisha and she said to him, look, my husband was a man of God. He was uh, a servant of God and he's dead. And you know, he feared the Lord. You know, this was not an ungodly home. This was a godly home. And so that's why she was able to seek out God. And she says, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. But she did the right thing to go to the prophet. So what about this prophet? Well, we, in the midst of this urgent problem, we see Elisha. He's there. God made him available. He's an available prophet. He's standing by. He ran this school. And it wasn't just a business proposition. It was a ministry. And it was there where he ministered. And he was going to make sure that those families within his ministry were going to be taken care of. So she goes to him and she says, I, I need some help. And as we see this available prophet, it says in verse 2, So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? You know, as pastor, I oftentimes have people come to me for advice for help. Uh, they have a financial need, a material need, a spiritual need, uh, some kind of need. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, most pastors and I'm sure prophets of the day were only human. And our first question is, what in the world do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you? 
What is it you want me to help you with? And that was the question that Elisha, Elisha was all too human. And he said, look, what, what shall I do for you? And then he said this, he said, not only what can I do, but the next question sort of can be framed, what can you do? Look what he says. He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? What do you already have? Look, she said, we're going to lose everything. Death, debt, danger. We're going to lose it all. This is urgent. Help me. Well, what can I do for you? And then he thought, well, look, what have you got going on? What have you got in your house that you haven't really latched on to yet? You know, more often than not, the help that we need is closer than we realize. You know, that's what makes mother so amazing. Because more often than not, when we're running around with our head, like chickens with our heads cut off, moms are calm and they're evaluating the situation and they're making sure that they can take what they have and use it to solve a problem. We said that earlier, stretching a meal, fixing a ripped pair of pants, mending a, a scraped knee, taking care of business. And Elisha just wanted to remind her, your treasure is in your home. You know, all of us have more treasure in our home than we realize. Now, you may not live in a fancy home. You may not have a lot of material possessions. But look, if you've got a family, you've got a treasure. If you have a family, you've got a treasure. Or if you have friends nearby, you've got a treasure. If you've got a roof over your head, food in the refrigerator, clothes to wear, you've got a treasure. God has already blessed us more than we realize. And more often than not, we want to run outside of that to go find something to help us when at, at all along what we have to help us may be right in our very grasp, right in front of us. You know, oftentimes people talk about the help and the work of God. I've shared this with you many times. I'm going to share it with you again, and I want you to really listen. You know, this is how God helps us and understand how this dynamic works. This is the first part. God will not do for you and I what we can do for ourselves. Do you understand that? God will not do for you and I what we can do for ourselves. You know, we have people say, oh, Lord, I just want to get my health back. Well, here's the question that God may ask. What are you doing to get your health back? As you pray that prayer, are you holding a cigarette and a Pop-Tart in your hands? You know, maybe we ought to stop and look at what we're doing? What can we change? What can we make better? What kind of resources are near at hand that we can engage in helping ourselves? So that's the first part of that. The, the, whole, the whole law of how God works for us is number one, God is not going to do for you and I what we can do for ourselves. Do you need a job? Well, you might need a job. Let me ask you a question. Have you gone out looking for that job? I have counseled with people said, oh, brother Mike, I'm praying for a job. How many interviews have you been on? None. Well, why do you expect you're going to find a job? Oh, oh, Pastor Mike, I, I need to fix my marriage. Well, have you and your wife sat down and talked? No. Well, how do you expect to fix your marriage if you're not willing to do your part? You know, I can, I can give you many examples, but God is not going to do for you and I what we can do for ourselves. But at the same time, we cannot do what only God can. There are certain aspects to problems that we in and of ourselves cannot fix. So therefore, that's where we have to rely upon God. We have to call upon Him. And evidently, this woman, in the midst of her situation, she thought, I got to have some help. 
And so she did the right thing. She went to God. But, but Elisha wanted to say, look, what can I do for you? But what can you do for yourself? What exactly can you do? And it brings us to the next question. What do you have? What do you actually have that you can make use of to help solve the problem? See, this is where the ingenuity of mothers comes in. The ingenuity of these dear ladies that make stuff work. That's why I love mothers. My mother was so good at that. My mother would always know how to fix something, mend something. She always knew how to take something that I was frustrated with and make it work. And God bless mothers for that. Listen, we dads aren't really good at that. Oh, we can fix uh, broken uh, things around the house. But as far as sometimes making things right, we struggle with that. But moms are creative. Moms are intelligent. and Moms are sharp. We thank you, ladies, for that. And there are times when they can see something that we're so frustrated we can't see. And that's the thing. We look at life sometimes through frustration's perspective. You know, we're so frustrated. We're so filled up with with anger, fear, anxiety. Uh, We're just not knowing what to do. And we're just grasping and looking. And we're looking at life through frustration's perspective. And when we do that, we don't see what's near at hand. But this woman, you notice at the very first, she called upon the man of God to get the help of God. She looked through faith's perspective. And that's what Elisha did for her. Elisha reminded her to look through faith's perspective. What has God already given you that you can make work in this situation? Again, we have treasure in our homes. And I will go so far as to say we have treasure in our hearts that God has already provided that we oftentimes neglect because we get so caught up in looking for answers outside of the realm of God instead of looking for our answers within what God has done and is doing with us and for us. So what can I do for you, lady? Well, you know, I I need help. Well, what can you do? What do you have in your house? And I want you to notice, you know, what do you have? And, and again, frustration's perspective. She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil, a jar of olive oil. Olive oil was used in the Middle East, still is today, to not only uh, cook with, but also for fuel. They would light their lamps. That is how they would light up their homes in the evening. And oftentimes they would use that as fuel for cooking, for heating, and for lighting. And she said, look, all I have is a jar of oil. Now, she probably looked at that, and maybe you would too, and say, out of frustration, that ain't nothing. There's there's nothing there. All I have is a jar of oil. But God, through Elisha, wanted to show her that that jar of oil was an opportunity. That jar of oil was a treasure in the house. Because he says this in verse 3. He said, then he said, go borrow vessels, other jars from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. In other words, look, go out into the neighborhood, get as many jars and containers as you can get. Empty jars and containers, just bring them home. He goes on to say, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then put in, then rather pour into all those vessels and, and set aside the full ones. Now, here he was. He's saying, look, you go out and collect as many containers as you can, as many jars, as many pots and get them in the house. 
And when you get them in the house, as many as you can get, shut the door, you and your sons, and start pouring the oil. Now, can you imagine, put yourself in the place of this, of this widow, of this woman. She was probably looking at him thinking, what in the world are you talking about? All I have is one jar of oil. What will that do pouring it from one jar into another? But you see, she asked God for help. Now, there are some things that she had to do, but now through the perspective of faith, she was going to now see what God was going to do. And I wonder sometimes how often we miss the miraculous hand of God in our lives because we don't look through the perspective of faith. We look through the perspective rather of frustration. And so this is what this available prophet did. What can I do for you? What can you do for yourself? And what do you have? So she went out and did that. And I want you to notice this perspective of faith became a faith that was proven. When you place your faith and trust in God, listen, you will never go wrong. And there is no greater force in this, in this all too fallen world than the faith of a godly woman, the faith of a godly mother. Again, I have seen lives changed through the prayers of godly mothers, through the witness and testimony of godly mothers. I've seen godly women and godly men in this church do miraculous things. So in verse 5, we see this faith proven. It says, So she went out from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in this room with this wife, uh, this widow rather, and her two sons? Because look what happened in verse 6. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. In other words, this one little, little insignificant jar of oil that she didn't think anything of because her frustration blinded her initially to the usefulness and treasure of that resource that God had already provided. But when she obeyed the word of God the, through the prophet and she did what she was commanded to do, she began to utilize what she had and God began to expand it. God began to make it great. And she took that jar of oil and all of a sudden all of these jars and all of these containers were becoming full of olive oil. And again, olive oil was a very important commodity in Israel at the time. It wasn't just something you got off the grocery store shelves to cook your spaghetti in. No, no, no. This was a fuel and this was also cooking implement as well. And it was very important to the economy of, of the Old, Test, uh, Old Testament world. And so it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her, go get more vessels. She was excited now, and it says, as we continue, and he said to her, there is not another vessel. We've got them all, Mom. We've got everything. We've got every vessel that's available. And notice, so the oil ceased. The oil ceased. So here, this faith was proven because the widow did her part. She did what she could do for herself. She utilized the treasure that God had already given to her. And God took that treasure and multiplied it, amplified it through her faith, through her obedience. And look what happened. Not only now does she have a jar of oil, but she has containers full of that beautiful, rich olive oil. And so she did her part. That's what God is waiting for us to do. 
That's what God wants all of us to do. Yes, mothers, fathers, children, people all over. They, God is waiting for us to do our part. We often pray, oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, fix me. Oh Lord. And we, and we ask God to do things before we even step out and do what we need to do. You know, that's why the Bible was written to instruct us that we have a part to play in this. God's not going to do for you and I what we can do for ourselves. And God has given us treasure right in front of us. It may be just our two hands. It may be the strength of our talents. It may be the resources that God has in front of us that we take and do wonderful things. Growing up when my dad was home, one of the things he learned in Vietnam was to carve wood. And my dad, because he was oftentimes bored in Vietnam, I know there was a lot of military stuff going on, but there were a lot of long times where they didn't have much to do. My dad learned how to carve wood. And while he was there, he took an ordinary block of wood and he can create beautiful things with it. He can create beautiful sculptures, beautiful carvings. He got really good at it to the point where at one point he could have opened up his own shop and sold these uh, artisan works uh, for a lot of money. And oftentimes people did buy things from him and he gave them as gifts. And my mother still has a house full of beautiful things that my dad created. And what did he do? He took an old pocket knife and he took a block of wood that he found laying in the, in the camp there in Vietnam and he learned how to take it and make something beautiful out of it. See, that's what God does. That's what God does. He takes the simple things in life that we don't realize are treasures and he turns them into magnificent works, miraculous works, and God is blessed and we are gifted through that. And so that's what God does. And the widow did her part. And then when the widow did her part, collecting all of those jars, she was obedient. And hey, listen, she didn't know why she was doing that. Why in the world am I collecting all these jars? All I've got is a little jar of oil. Why am I doing this? But at the word of the man of God, I'll do it. And she did her part. And that's when God did his part. And so how do we round that up? Well, she did enough. She did what she can do. And that was enough. And then what did God do? He gave her enough. This is how God works in problems. This is how God works us through problems. You see, this is something that is almost ingrained in these ingenious and yes, self-sacrificing mothers and ladies in our lives. You know, God gives them that gift of nurturing, that gift of compassion, that gift of sacrifice. And it's amazing what God can do through someone so gifted. That's why mothers are so valuable. And ladies, that's why you're so valuable to us, because you have a way of seeing things that the rest of us don't through the eyes of ingenuity and sacrifice. The widow did her part. God did his part. Faith was proven. She did enough and God gave enough. And so we find at the end of this little tale that we see here in Scripture, we see the ultimate provision. Now you remember the urgent problem that we began with in verse 1. The house was visited by death. The family was being chased and harassed by debt. And there was danger just around the corner. But the death which left her unprotected and vulnerable through God's provision, provided her protection. Notice what it says as we finish up in verse 7. It says, Then she came and told the man of God. Well, he knew what was going to happen. And said, go, and, God, and he said, rather, Go and sell the oil, 
Pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. So what did she do? She went and told Elisha, look what God did. I did what you told me. I took my little oil, got a bunch of jars, and look what God did. I've got more oil than I can even use. He said, go and sell that. And again, this was a commodity in the economy of the Old Testament. Go and sell that oil. This was going to give her that financial security, that protection that her husband and his ministry would have provided for her. He is not there. Yes, there's still grief in her heart. She's going to miss him. It's a loss. Death is a horrible thing no matter how you cut it. But nonetheless, God has provided for her protection financially, materially, and through security. Not only that, but where they had debt before, now they have plenty. He said, go and sell this oil. Go and sell it and pay off your debt. Ah, oh, there's a good feeling when you pay off debt. You feel like the monkey's been taken off your back. You feel like the lion's not chasing you anymore. Oh my goodness, God provided in such a miraculous way and she was able to pay off her debt. But not only was she able to pay off her debt, but there was enough left over for she and her sons to live securely from now on. So they not only had freedom from that, that vulnerability of that death of the husband, and now they were free from debt and they had plenty, and where there was danger of her sons being carted off and her family even further destroyed and her left alone with no one, now they can abide together in peace. In peace. Not having to worry about the family being broken up. Not having to worry about the sons being carried away. But they can live in peace. Why? Because God provided. And how did He provide? So the treasure of this woman's faith, so the treasure that he'd already given her of this little jar of oil, it doesn't seem like much to us. You know, that's the thing about God. God can take something seemingly insignificant, small and minor, and do something amazing with it. Oh my goodness, if we had time, I'd tell you story after stories of things that I've personally witnessed of God taking something small and making it something great. I've watched here at this church, this church grow and thrive as we've gone through the years. I remember when we first talked about moving out onto the 16-acre campus and building a million-dollar building. Oh, we're just a little church. We're just a small Mill Hill church. God can't do anything with us. Look what God has done and continues to do with West Concord Baptist Church. God can take anything, no matter how small, and make it great if it's given to Him. That includes material things, and that includes your life. Listen, the greatest treasure you have in your house is that dear mother, that, that family, that, those people that make it work. That's why we need to commit ourselves to Almighty God and surrender to Him. And God will continue to provide in such a way to bring plenty, to bring peace, and to bring protection. I love this quote here that I found on, uh, on the web. It says this. It says, The Bible does not reserve motherhood only for women with biblical, or excuse me, biological children. You know, we think of Mother's Day. And again, like I told you at the beginning, this message involves a mother of two sons, a widowed mother, and it speaks of the ingenuity and sacrificial nature of mothers. But this is a lesson that we all can learn from godly mothers 
and hopefully we have and hopefully we will, but also from this thing that no matter who or what you are, if you surrender your life and possessions to Almighty God, no matter how meager, small, or insignificant, God can make them work. And so this message is not just from others. It's for women of all stripes, people of all stripes. And again, the Bible does not reserve motherhood only for women with biological children. The mothering aspect, the nurturing, the ingenuity, the sacrifice isn't for somebody with just biological children. As a matter of fact, Judges chapter 5 verse 7 identifies the prophetess and Judge Deborah as a mother in Israel. We don't know that Deborah had any children, but she was considered a mother in Israel. But she was also a mother to Israel. She provided wisdom, according to Judges 4-5, and under God's leading, showed Israel the way they were to go. As you read this chapter in verse 6, she even tried to encourage her grown child to follow God on his own without her constant presence. She mothered the nation of Israel as she acted as leader and judge. Because of Deborah's wisdom and guidance, Israel enjoyed a rare period of peace. All women can follow Deborah's example to encourage, nurture, and train those around them to live mature, effective, and God-honoring lives. Again, it doesn't have to be a biological mother. I've seen mothers, I've seen do that. I've seen women with no children mother other people, love other people, nurture other people. That's the blessing of, of that peace that God provided for the completion of humanity. In the book of Genesis, he created Adam. But you remember the story, Adam was lonely and alone. There was something missing. God had created all the animals and Adam named them. God created this beautiful garden and Adam enjoyed it. But Adam was lonely. There was a peace missing. And that peace missing was a nurturing, loving wife, a nurturing, kind, ingenious, sacrificial woman at his side to help him. And when God created Eve, it all came together. And so again, this is not just for mothers. This is for women of all stripes and of all ages. This is for men and young people and old people. It doesn't matter. The whole idea of this message, it's simply what mothers do best, but we all can involve ourselves as taking the small insignificant treasures that are close to home, in our homes, in our hearts, and making them work, giving them to God. Instead of looking at life through the perspective of frustration, look at life through the perspective of faith and take those urgent problems and let God turn them into ultimate provision. But a last word to the mothers as we celebrate and honor you this morning. And this is from Arthur Marjorie Hinckley, who has written many books on motherhood. And it says this, she says, Be a mother who is committed to loving her children into standing on higher ground than the environment surrounding them. In other words, moms, raise your children to be better than what the world expects them to be, to be men and women of God, to literally be princes and princesses of the king. That's what God is calling godly mothers to do. And so I hope moms, as you listen, I appreciate you. I love you. The, the, the moms who have husbands, the single mothers who are struggling God bless you single mothers who have to do double duty. I watched my mother do that through the Vietnam War and through my dad's time in Philippines. My mom is one of my heroes, and you are my heroes as well. And you may not have a living husband or a present husband, but you've got a God who loves you. 
You are the bride of Christ as a member of His church, and God wants to help you. And so this is for women of all stripes, mothers, non-mothers, men, young people and old people. Take the treasures that you have in your home and let God do great things for it. The greatest treasure of all, is, of course, is the gift of salvation. You know, if we have nothing else in this world, if you have Jesus, you have everything. Because one day this world is going to collapse. We see right now all the things that we've trusted in this world, our job, our, our health, uh, our finances, Man, it's, it's being threatened right now through this coronavirus. But you know what won't be threatened is Almighty God. And when we have a relationship with Him through Christ, we can stand strong and firm and allow Him to reveal those treasures in our lives that we can make work for us during this difficult time as we commit our lives and our treasures to Him. Do you know Jesus as your Savior today? Have you trusted Him? You know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all sinful. And because of that, there's nothing we can do to earn salvation because the Bible says that because of our sin, even our greatest works are as filthy rags in His sight, according to Isaiah 64. All have sinned and fallen. But you know what? God loves us in spite of our sin. It's sort of that nurturing love. You know, mothers love their children sometimes in spite of their flaws and foibles and faults. God loves us with that wonderful love, that agape love that puts us first. In spite of our sin, He sent Jesus to come, take on flesh, live a sinless life, die on the cross, and by His death, our sin was bought and paid for. He took our sin. He took the blame for it. He paid for it. He was punished for it. He was buried. Ha! But three days later, He rose again from the dead. Isn't that amazing? And He lives right now to give salvation to all who would come to Him, confessing our sin and casting our full faith and confidence in Jesus as our Savior. Would you do that if you've never done that? Let me say something to you moms. I hope you have a blessed Mother's Day. But have you surrendered your life fully to Jesus Christ? You may know Him as Savior, but have you surrendered to Him as Lord of your life? Have you given your lives to Him? Have you given your children to Him? Have you given your home to Him? so that you might raise your children to rise above the current environment we live in. Not to be better than anybody else. Listen, none of us can be better than anybody, but to live better for the glory of God. You mothers are amazing and you have an amazing calling and God can use you to change this world. And maybe you say, well, I'm not a mother yet or I've never been able to be a mother. Doesn't matter. Ladies, you have that skill that you can come in alongside of somebody hurting, struggling and show that ingenuity and that nurture and get around them. I hope today you will honor or rather honor your mothers. Yes. And celebrate motherhood and celebrate the qualities of motherhood and celebrate those qualities of ingenuity, sacrifice, looking at things through the perspective of faith and understanding that God has given you treasures right in your home to do great things for Him. God bless you all. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.